Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky, a podcast where I sit down with some of my friends in the local Columbus, Ohio theater, film, and improv scene and talk a bunch of geeky stuff. Some of it good, some of it bad, but all of it definitely geeky. If you enjoy our program, be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and to leave a review or subscribe wherever you can get podcasts. Our official sponsor of the show is Audible. With over 200,000 titles to choose from, get one audiobook and two Audible originals each month included with your trial, even once your trial ends and normal membership begins. Best part is you own your library, meaning you keep the books even if you cancel with easy exchanges. So if you don't love a book, swap it out for free anytime. Sign up for your free trial over at audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky. Download the Audible app and start enjoying your new audiobook now. Also, support for this podcast has been made possible by our Kickstarter backers, Ashley Carson, Catherine Ranella, Wooz, Yannick, Doug Poeta, Christopher LeBlanc, Andrew, Kenny, Jerome Wetzel, Casey May, Anonymous, Tavia Ordway, Anthony Portillo, Jen and Brian Petrie, Guest 16554254418, Laura Spires, Kimberly Barr, Kyle Jepson. We here at The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky want to advise listeners that this episode was recorded during the pandemic between the end of 2019 and the end of 2020. In this episode, I am here with Kyle Jepson as we sit down and we talk about the Umbrella Academy seasons one and two on this episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky. And a word of warning that there will be spoilers aplenty, not just on this, but I would say anything to do with the Umbrella Academy, the music referenced, and much, much more. So listener beware, is there anything you want to say about the Umbrella Academy? Join in on the conversation by interacting with us via social media or email. Twitter and Instagram is username goodbaggeeky. Email me at goodbaggeeky at gmail.com or go to facebook.com forward slash goodbaggeeky. We may read your comment on a future episode. Kyle, you are here and to talk to with us about the Umbrella Academy, and mm-hmm. I just want to say that it's your Twitter feed that sped the process up of me watching the show, me and my wife from watch, of watching the show, just because I figured it was going to be good, but I wasn't in a rush to watch it. Um, Neither was I. Like, I honestly, I slept on season one. Like, yeah. it came out and I was, oh, Ellen Page. CGI ape. That's interesting, but like honestly, I did not watch it up until the week before season two came out. Oh man. I watched it. So we started watching it, I think, the day season two came out because I had been seeing your tweets. And a matter of fact, I'm going to get some of the wording right, but I, I like the word, the scripture word you use, which is the soundtrack slaps. It, oh my God. That's. And it does. <laughs> it it, slaps oh my God. so hard. That soundtrack. Like, I don't think I've loved a soundtrack that hard. And I'm not trying to, like, I'm not trying to simp here, but since we talked about Baby Driver, right? Like, a couple of years ago now, right? But oh my God, like, the minute I think we're alone now started playing in yeah. season one, I was like, oh, damn. Like, it doesn't matter how hard this series sucks. Even if, and it doesn't suck, but if it did suck, I'd be like, for this soundtrack, I'd be here for it. Oh, yeah. Because then what, after that, they play the, I can't remember the name, Istanbul, not Constantinople. Constantinople yeah. yeah the... uh, hold on. I, I have the... <laughs> had a I was trying to bring Apple it up on my phone, but I can't remember. But like, God, that soundtrack, like that, I, I think that is honestly what looped me in the beginning. 
Yeah. Because I think if that were not the case, it would not have intrigued me in the way it did. Yeah. Well, so like you fell asleep for the first season because yeah, because kind of like you was the same thing. My, I guess my only thing was, is that Ellen Page is in it. Ellen Page is like a movie star who is, and, and I don't mean this in no disrespect to her lately. And as she, cause she should be, she's been more pro, you know, rights, gay rights. And she does indie films because it yeah. allows her the freedom to do that stuff. And she can have more control over what's being said in the movie instead of the Hollywood blockbuster machine. And, and mm-hmm. I completely get that and I'm fine with that. But at the same time, I'm also going, but you're still a movie star. And I, I just have not seen her do a TV show before. And I know that's the new thing too, is people do TV stars. So my watching it goes, yeah, the trailer looks cool. Looks good. It looks like Ellen Page is going to die in the first episode and, or the second episode, or she'll die by the end of the season and I'd agree with that necessarily. Like I definitely, I remember when it, when like the first season came out, I saw it and I was like, I had a, a moment of, Oh, Ellen page. But I could tell like, you know, from everything else, it was obviously like a kind of like superhero origin story, what have you. And I just, I, I wasn't really like feeling it at the time. Yeah. But given our, current predicament like i started watching it right before the second season came out and so like i finished the first series in maybe a day (laughs) nice and then i want to say like i started it like either the wednesday or thursday before series two premiered then i watched series two in a day But then, like, a week later, I was, like, I had been, like, kind of mentioning it to my mother offhand, which turns out my mom hates fantasy. Did not know this growing up. Like, oh, wow. it was my 20s when she was, like, oh, yeah, I hate Star Wars. And I was, like, what? I, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. But I, she. I get that. Yeah. But she was just kind of, like, yeah, but you liked it. So I never said anything. And I was, like, bless you. You're an angel. But I forget why, but I went home and I was like kind of talking to her about it. She's like, oh yeah, I, wa- I watched like the first episode of that. And I was super into it. Like, w- would you want to watch it again? Because you've already seen it. And I was like, yeah, I think I would. So my mother and I proceeded to watch both seasons in the span of two days. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's- First off, that's awesome because it's quality time. And then also, it's a good show. Like, I, I think we're not going to say anything out of turn here, which is that it's a damn good show. I don't, it absolutely don't, I, is. I don't think there's a lot I have to say negative about the show. And if it is, it, it's fleeting. It's just more like a random like observation of, oh, well, that was a weird choice. But I can't, you know, I, I didn't go back and rewatch the show to lead up into this, but I did like look over like synopsises of episodes and I would look at clips or whatever. And I still really can't, I really can't see a lot of problems with anything that's going on. And also they're telling, they are kind of telling a complex story in long term in terms of it's, uh, well, every season ends on a cliffhanger to set up the next season, I guess I should say. So I don't know what the final end game fully is. Do you know what I mean? And so in that regard, well, I, I can't criticize it in that regard. Honestly, I don't think anyone does. 
Right. Because I feel like up until recently, and this is only because I've read like the history of the series or whatever, but like up until recently. So, okay, for anyone who does not know, this show is based off a comic book series. Yes. That was conceptualized by Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance, which is Mm -hmm. like, you know, a staple of any emo child's worldview from like what we'll say 2000 we'll say like early 2000s i can't even tell like i'll be the first to admit i was not a huge mcr fan yeah i just wasn't but i liked it like i was like kind of a tertiary fan but like the moment that i found out that gerard way was like the writer for this comic book series i was like i had a moment of like of course it was of course it was (laughs) Yeah, and uh, also a shout out to the artist of the book too is uh, Gabriel Ba. I'm not mm-hmm. probably saying that right, but they both and they've been consistent together working on the book for the entire time. And mm-hmm. uh, I haven't read the book yet, but I did back the Kickstarter, and apparently one of the prizes that I get is that I get the full collected volume up until I don't know if it includes Hotel Oblivion or if it's right before Hotel, but which pretty much, aka, it's the first two seasons of the show. Yeah, there. That that's what the book is made of, and that that was my kind of point. Was like I I haven't read the comic, but I kind of want to now, even though. Oh yeah, me neither. However, it was released. Like it seems like they they as far as like the we'll say the show canon, they skipped Hotel Oblivion, right? I well Hotel kinda so. That was like I, kind of, well we'll make it simple. Like Hotel Oblivion was where kind of they sent all their villains, right? Yeah, I guess so. See, I guess that's the thing. I don't even know that. I mean, reading the Wikipedia, it says no one escapes from the hotel, mm-hmm. but I guess so. I guess that is where they send them. Okay, yeah. So from what I understand is Hotel Oblivion is like kind of the second book of the comic and like any comic fans, I'm so sorry. I have not read them. Don't come at me. But like Hotel Oblivion is like any of their former villains they have sent to the Hotel Oblivion on the dark side of the moon which ties back into the show in a way, but like Hotel Oblivion, they skipped and they went into into the third book to go into season two, which either way, like I need to read the, I need to read the comic. I do want to read the comic because I'm very interested in that now, but uh, like it seems that where they left off because they either couldn't get money from Dark Horse or, some other thing like whatever the next season they may do for umbrella academy to my knowledge doesn't really have a precedent there's no kind of storyline set out yeah the sparrow academy is the fourth volume and it's not released at all yet and that's is what they're doing for the next season but it's also well and so i guess let's talk about that for a second because even though you and i have both not read the comic officially Like, if we look at the picture of the characters... Let's the talk only, about it, though. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it a, a little bit, because in passing, if you go, okay, because you and I, well, anybody, even if they're not, like, big... Uh, I am a person, if I hear something or see something that interests me, it might take me later in the day, or it might take... I might do it right then. I'll look it up on Wikipedia, and sometimes I'll go on a deep dive, and I'll just mm-hmm. immerse myself. And other times, I'll just get enough info to wet my whistle, and I'll come back to it later when I can think of it. So you're going to fandom.net like I do. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, honestly, yeah. The fandom uh, wikia, they yeah. actually have some pretty cool, uh, the, and it's all done by the fans, and they're very caring and loving of the property that they're mm-hmm. invested in. And with Umbrella Academy, 
I remember I looked at some of the images and the covers looked cool, but when you looked at the characters, they looked nothing like, like the kids from the show, like it looked like the kids in the comic book, but when they grow up, they look nothing alike. And I'm not just talking about racial differences. It's very stylized. Oh yeah, it's like a mixture of X-Men and Hellboy, which is actually, I think one of the things is Gabriel, he grew up reading the 90s X-Men where there's time travel with Cable and Bishop and all this and that. And you can definitely pick that up from just the idea. Like if you had to explain Umbrella Academy to someone, you can go, oh yeah, that kind of reeks of Days of Future Past X-Men kind of thing. But like everything, it's like, and I appreciate it too, Damn it. I gotta quit fidgeting with stuff because I'm God, just breaking Nick, everything. Jesus. Sorry. God damn. There's things uh, in, in front of you? How dare you? I know. <laughs> well, I just, or like this is a cable I'm holding. Guys, I'm a fidgeter. I don't know if you know this. I don't have ADD, but sometimes I just like to fidget in my hands. <laughs> and if I have stuff in front of me, it's really bad. Maybe I do have ADD. I don't know. Hey, everybody. Welcome we all out might. to we AD. <laughs> Actually, that, would, that should be the name of the podcast. Hello, or I might have ADD. <laughs> hey, let's find out if I do. Oh, look at the kitty. But I get what you're saying, though. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, I really do appreciate how they have adapted this show from, like, a comic to a TV show. Yeah. Because I feel like there are so many formats, so many shows that fail at this so often. But I feel like this is kind of one of the very... The very rare instances where they get it right. They really do. And the, the unique thing is that they're beholden to the tale, well, not 100% beholden. They're generally beholden to the tale they're trying to tell, but they also keep it a lot more grounded in reality that's, a, a, it's a lot more economically feasible, and then B, it's just a little bit more appealing, appealing to, to watch on a visceral level. I mean, because here's the thing, it would be so expensive and hard for them to show number one as in his aped out form. And if you mm -hmm. went full on like the comic book, which I've only seen images of, but apparently it's literally a gorilla body with his head, like kind of in a jar on top of the gorilla body. Mm -hmm. Like you, that's fucking like the fact that we got, was it Carmichael? Who's the fish? I was going to say, it's almost like AJ Carmichael where. <laughs> right. Like the fact that we even got him period is mwah, magnifique. Well, I think that was season two money, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Oh yeah. Well, and season one money was the ape and then uh, Pogo, right? Is it Pogo? No. Pogo. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Pogo. They which killed I wanted to say like Pogo walked so then baby Groot could jog so that baby Pogo could run. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, so cute. Yeah. We'll get there. He was so cute. Yeah. He, he was. And he's kind of a fucking badass. You know, fucking. but yeah, like, you know, and, and they kind of took up and not saying they did this on purpose, but to me, the first thing that I thought of was how they tried to, ironically enough, how they tried to treat X-Men in, in the early two thousands, which is, Instead of giving them the, the big comic book costumes, you know, they kept it like a little bit more, sh a little bit more realistic, a little bit more budget friendly, you know, like for example, the white violin or the violin, yeah, the white violinist, which is Ellen Page's character. And Vanya, eight, yeah. Vanya, when she becomes the white violinist, it like literally, I think like she dresses like that for the entire last half and then she never takes it off after supposedly something like that. But in this, it's like, well, no, she's not dressed like that all the time. Like, She's a normal human being functioning in the world. Like, yeah, really within season seven, she only puts it on to go to the concert and then like 
in the middle of the concert, she becomes the white violin. Right. Which again is, was really a really cool visual. And if you try to think, I, again, if you try to think too hard of the, how the physics of that would happen, it, that's mm-hmm. when you go, no, not going to happen. But then again, a man can web swing around New York city. So who the fuck cares? Yeah. There's no, there's, you, yeah you don't care yeah. about that. But again, all those choices are really valid. They're, they're so, yeah. I'm curious, like, let's talk like season one first, like season sure. one I watched and like, I watched it all. And I was like, all right, this is interesting. Like I dig it. Like I kind like, I didn't feel like there was a ton of character development off of the first episode kind of personifications of them. But I did like the one thing I really did enjoy that I think kept me engaged was this sort of idea of like a bunch of, you know, wayward children coming back and having to be around each other again, which really reminded me of like this idea of like forced family mm-hmm. versus found family. Because yeah. let me tell you, there are people in my family that I would do best never associating with again, but there are times where I might have to do that. <laughs> and like, so I really loved this show because I feel like. And there, there are some movies and what have you that do deal with this. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But like, I feel like I loved how this show like dealt with, you know, the whole idea is like, for anyone who doesn't know, like that there are these 43, I want to say children that are born like in 1989 who are all born with these like special powers. And then this one asshole adopts all of them. Into I this believe home. the term you're looking for is eccentric billionaire. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. No, it's okay. He's or if an we asshole. get, or if we get into season two, something else. But yeah. oh my god, that's so weird. Yes. Yeah, it does kind of get into like one of those things where it's like these seven children like have no choice but to be around each other. They don't. They're not related, but they're around each other constantly. Like they're, like it. It really kind of like pumps this idea home of like forced family mm-hmm. which i feel like a ton of people in america have to deal with like you know your family that like you don't want to be around you don't like but like around the holidays you're like all right gotta suck it up and be around you know cheryl for a while great name by the way cheryl for an annoying family member. i was avoiding so many of my own aunt's names <laughs> but yeah <laughs> It is kind of just like, it. I really found that fascinating that they're like, you know, they have this cast that has so much diversity in it. Yeah. And they are putting them in this situation where like, they can't really get away from each other. And like, even though they haven't been in each other's lives for so long, they can't just be like, well, F you. Like, they still have to take care of each other, which I, I just, I really liked that dynamic. Well, I, I think that I would not 100% disagree with you, but I kind of disagree with you on that there's no... I feel that that first season, in terms of the character arcs, is that they are horribly broken. And also, you get to see all the dynamic of the characters. And how well, I'm not saying it's not broken. Well, I'm not, not saying it's not broken. Well, I guess in terms of the character development, like you need to see them in that broken state and how they interact with each member. Like you could say that in the pilot episode, we only see each other at weddings and funerals that like you, like that's all you need and you can get right to it. But I, I kind of feel like you need to see them all break off in certain little groups 
and mm-hmm. work around each other to then go, okay, we know they're broken, but we see how they're broken in different ways. And now we can work on fixing it and getting it to, which then gets us to season two. But, but, but because I, because I guess like two, like, you know, and what's interesting too, is what you said, found family. I think all of them kind of want that found family or they want to like the other people in their family. I wouldn't family. say it's found family as much as or forced. forced family Sorry, is sorry. what I like. Cause I'm, I would say like found family would be like me and you, like me and you get along really well. And like, right. we, we we're, we're like, yeah, we agree on a lot of stuff. Forced family is like me and, you know, say like the racist uncle in the Dakotas who's sure. like, you know, well, I, I mean, 2020, like, well, I, you, you, you know what I mean, but I, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I misspoke on that, but, but yeah, forced <laughs> family is, is what I meant. But like, yeah, but I think they want to like Diego is very cold to a lot of people in the family, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I think he does want that connection. He wants to be respected by other members of the group and for him, it feels like that's his love language. Is I know I don't think respect is an actual part of the love language, but technically it kind of is. Like he mm-hmm. wants acceptance and respect from Recon- the other members. Recognition, of the I'd say. Well, and to that, I would also say recognition would come from, or that's how maybe he views the respect. Because well, that and also like recognition with grace. Oh yeah, which be, yeah. It, but no, I I, to- I I do totally agree with you. Like it's really funny how, you know, they get together after like this book that Vanya has written and everyone's like really peeved at her about. And like, you know, the dad dies. And then there's like, this is kind of where it really hooked me in season one was Mm -hmm. I think we're alone now that whole, that. Oh yeah. That music sequence where they're all dancing individually. Yeah. And I think part of it is that, they're in sync in a but they're not which mm-hmm. is they're all dancing together they think they're alone but, but they're, they're all real, doing their own thing they're and their own doing their own thing and you can see them actually being kind of happy doing it but and they i i don't i question if they know that everybody if their families their siblings are dancing or not do you know what i mean like yeah. they're, they're not necessarily aware of it and that's and it just makes you feel good like the song makes you feel good it makes you feel good that you seeing them, like especially number one, to see him kind of just kind of bust out in that big fucking suit and just start. Well, he's the one that starts playing the song in the first place, which is super weird. The moon, the moon. But yeah, no, he has like he has the record collection, which I love. And oh god, that like I will say, I think without the whoever the music supervisor was, I don't know that this series would have succeeded in the way it does. I'm just Oh yeah. I'm well, gonna go out and say that. Well I wonder who did the music. Well, I, I have to here's the thing too. I have to in my heart of hearts have to think that Gabriel Way, because he's with my chemical romance, had to at least help out some way with that. I don't know that he did. Like I, I could be wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like oh, I could be completely wrong. I don't I, think he chose the music, but I think it's just like, hey, we need this song. Could you maybe help get it for cheaper? He might have been like, oh, oh I'm Gabriel Way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Gabriel Way and my chemical romance. Would you let us use your song for no, super absolutely. cheap in our net cheap ass Netflix show? That one hundred percent makes sense. Like that I can totally get behind. <laughs> and I'm sure Tiffany was like, I don't have a lot going for me. I kind of need this money, Gabriel. Of course you understand. And you're going to put it in the trailer. 
And, oh, I'm sorry. You have a CGI ape. I'll give you a little bit, a few extra bucks off. But well, and the other interesting thing in talking about that forest family, which I thought of just now is that five, I, I feel like five is the only one that seems resistant to wanting to come together the most. And what's sad is that he, I think feels the most regret for everything falling apart. And it's this weird dichotomy of, of difference between, of I feel like, it's not five is a very kind of like Diego in a way, but in a very different way, which is I feel Diego angrily wears his heart on his sleeve. Five doesn't wear much of fucking anything on his sleeve. He's very like cool, calm, collected. Well, not always collected, but like he seems to have a good head on his shoulders. And granted, he's also like what? 80 years old in a, in a, well, in, in his sixties or fifties, we'll say. Fifties or sixties, but dude's <laughs> old enough to probably have the peace of mind and wisdom to be like, you know what? I'm not going to get as mad. And if I do, it's just because I know shit's really going wrong and we need to fix it. But, I do love that. But I, oh God, like fucking that actor's name, Adrian Gallagher. Yeah. He's, I think as of season two, he was 16. And I was just blown away about how like, cause he does this fucking thing that old men do. We're like, or he like puts his fucking chin forward and like, He's like, he does this like kind of old man posture almost where his shoulders are back and his head is forward. And I'm just like, how does a, how does a 15, 16 year old know to do this? Like he plays an old man in a young boy's body. Really well. So well, which (laughs) it just, it upsets me almost. Like if I hadn't shaved my head for quarantine, like he would be who I would absolutely play halloween this year oh my god like, i mean I, oh i would get the the high socks i'd get the shorts the culottes i'd get the oh my god but no he just like that actor amazes me with how well he plays a 50 to 60 year old man oh trapped what? in a, a teenager's body like with his girlfriend <laughs> and then later like when he's like talking to himself in season two i was just like what like well and and so that's the interesting thing too is that five excuse me like even by the end of the season in the beginning of the well the beginning of the second season they're all kind of lost but in the, even in the first season when small little pockets of them are coming closer together in the way you want them to because they are even though they're forced family they're still family and they're, they want they're trying to be family five is so hell-bent on his i gotta stop save the world gotta save the future because if not there won't be a family there's this really interesting idea that and i lost what i was going to go for son of a bitch it was That's right okay. there it's like literally in the mid thought like this is well, what dementia's like um, i mean yeah well i'll dip in and say i'll dip in and, and say and this is like this is just like pandemic brain because I cannot keep a fucking thought together from A to B. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could, but no, I mean like, I, I see what you're saying with like, like season one, you kind of have this whole, like they're all kind of thrown to the wind and they're fighting and they're like, well, this is never going to work. And, and they're like all like angry, angry. And none of them will come together to try right. to, we'll say defeat the common evil, which is, at the end of the day, Vanya, before that, Bobo Lin-Manuel Miranda. Let's talk about that in a minute. But like, in season two, I feel like 
it kind of takes this turn where despite them all being thrown to the wind halfway through they kind of they come together and they're like oh yeah let's try to defeat this i mean like not totally like together because you have diego with his hero complex and other shit but (laughs) i feel like it's kind of better than season one it's not all the way there yet don't get me wrong (laughs) well i think what's interesting too is that you get way more into the superhero stuff in season two at least especially towards the end of it while in season one it is very much a slow slower build like the big I guess the big thing hanging over your head as an audience member is, and oh, Jesus, Hazel and Cha-Cha, that's their names. Which, by the way, I so I, I usually am the guy that pays attention to credits, but Cha-Cha, played by Mary J. Blige, yes, was so good. And I was remember when she came on, I was like, is that fucking Mary J. Blige? Well, no. and, and then I looked at the credits like, holy shit, it's Mary J. Blige. Well, and have you watched Mindhunter? I don't, I don't think we talked about it on GBG, but I have finally watched Mindhunter. But who was she in Mindhunter? No, no. So Hazel is... Oh, my God. The first guy they come see, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That's, um, oh, God, the, the co-ed killer. Yes. I can't think of his actual name, but no, that, that, that like, because I heard him talk and I'm like, why do I know that voice? And I looked him up. But oh beyond God. that, I do love how in the first season, that is a really great example of like, oh, I, I, I was like reading about it, May-December romance. So May-December romance typically is there's like an old man, like a, an older man, I should say, like say a Bill Nye kind of character. Yeah. And he falls in love with a woman who's in her 20s or early 30s. <laughs> And we call that a May-December romance because she's in May and he's in December. It's like, you know, it's people that are like kind of an elder, younger romance. Yeah. But this series does a really fun flip of it. Where, I can't remember her name. Agnes? It's not Agnes. I feel like, hold on. It's something. But it's, you know, it's Hazel and and the lady at the donut shop they enter into this romance and she's obviously older than him. It is Agnes, like, by the way. But like, they kind of enter into this like adorable romance that's not necessarily seen a ton in cinema and not seen in TV. Like normally it's flipped. Normally it's an older guy and a younger woman cause society. Yeah. And well, and I like too that, which was interesting. And, and cause he, Okay, so usually in an independent film or even in a TV show, uh, the Hazel character would have to kill Agnes by the end. That's, I feel like that's always how it goes. Or something he does gets her killed and then he then get, goes mad and dies in the... Because usually they're the bad guy too. He or one of the bad guys. He would then die in the process of getting revenge for her death or whatever. And it almost looked like it was going the direction and they didn't do it though. They didn't end on that. And that's, I loved it so much. That's not how they ended it with, you know, both of them dying. Now, technically season two kind of goes back on that and it makes me a little sad, but. Well, yeah, don't, let's, let's ignore that. I mean, yeah, I do agree with you. I do agree with you, Nick, is that like, I feel like I read somewhere in like the actual comic, like Hazel and Cha-Cha, they have no development whatsoever. Like they're just, they're in the, 
like so hazel and chacha's thing is they're like they're in the heads like the weird like comic book heads i don't know what to call them i i call them like weird cartoon heads because they look fucking weirder like they look like actually they look like five nights at freddy heads which i know this came out before five nights at freddy's but they that's what they kind of look like it's fucking terrifying i have no idea what that means but yeah like they they, it does kind (laughs) of go into this thing of like you know in the comic, like, apparently they're very underdeveloped and they're just insane and, like, they just want to kill and they're crazy. But, like, I did enjoy how they were kind of humanized. Like, you know, right. they show them checking into the hotel and getting annoyed that they have to show a room and, like, that they have to carry this, like, this uh, briefcase and they have to hide it. Like, I really enjoyed that, especially someone who works in corporate America. Like, I felt all the complaints so hard. (laughs) Well, I have to ask you, would you also consider that a forced family kind of, because they do have a weird family like relationship where they care about each other. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Because it's established that they have been together for seemingly forever, like for years and years. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. And especially towards the end, it's this, you know, one of them, well, I guess that was, has always been kind of the thing that you learn is like, cause it's been like what, five, 10 years when Hazel let that old lady or the old man go or whatever. And they got away. Well, and, you can't really, you can't give a timeline to that cause spoilers, they time travel. But well, right. I know what you mean. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. I know what you mean. So, uh, and so it's very clear when you hear that Hazel is wanting, or when he confesses to that, that, that is a sign that he's not fully because she's in she's in in for it for probably another 20 years she's just being tired of being dragged around by corporate which we all understand as in the corporate field dealing with corporations but hazel's getting kind of tired of it more than her and yeah it's just it's interesting that technically and i would have never thought of that until we're talking about it but the whole first season is really about, you know, being forced families dealing with each other mm-hmm. and kind of colliding with each other, different forced families colliding with each other, whether they're being ordered to or they just happen to. And Yeah, which like I really loved the first season because of that. But like in a way, I love season two more. Okay, because of this setup in season one because i don't know it's funnier they play with the dynamic between like the brother sister sibling whatever that is true and, and also because in the first season there's so much at odds with each other that mm-hmm. in the next season it's like oh well we've come together kind of we're all lost through time to a degree and we're finding each other slowly my thing is like you know you look at like the end of season one where they're just kind of at odds like you said and they just don't want to cooperate like you you look through the like last we'll say four episodes of that season and they're constantly like bickering and fighting at the bowling alley oh everywhere else and they're just like you know "Eh," which is a sibling thing from what i know i don't know that much because i'm an only child but i've seen siblings together yeah <laughs> nope me too yeah you know but you kind of look at like season two i feel like you definitely i feel like season two you see way more of the quote-unquote sibling dynamic yes because like i feel like season one it's just them fighting fighting and then finally they're like oh shit we need to save the world. Like, it's kind of like a last minute, oh God, we got a band together sort of thing. Well, and, and 
what's interesting too, I will say is that, and it's kind of, I'm jumping back to season one again for a second to jump back into season two. Did you think that Allison was going to die? The rumor number three, do you think she was going to die at the end of the first season? No, you didn't see. I got, I, so all the trailers I saw didn't show her or I probably wasn't paying attention. Let's go with that one too. But if I did see any of them, I just saw Ellen page and Luther and five. I didn't see much of, Oh, and a Klaus. I saw a lot of Klaus. I didn't see a lot of anybody else. I even Diego. So it was just like, well, did, is, so I literally was like, oh shit, is she going to die? And then when she did survive, the new question is, will she have her power? And season well, two keeps you kind of guessing on that for like a half second, which is Yeah, nice. and I guess like that's kind of a, that is a difference between the, the comic and the, the show is like, I guess like in the comic, like she cannot speak. I don't know oh. if ever, I don't know if ever again, but like she can't speak for a while. And like, apparently in the comics, she like tortures Vanya for a while. Aww. Yeah, exactly. But, 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 but to be fair in that defense, we also don't know how Vanya's played out in that comic too. So she could yeah, be I actually I, evil. I yeah, don't. I don't either. But I mean, it kind of does kind of go into that idea of like, you know, I did like how, I did like how in the first season, like they tried to kind of give this concerted effort to Allison trying to reconnect with her sister, especially between the two sisters. Yeah. I mean, Vanya tried too, and she just was like, I'm tired of doing this with you. I've tried to, and I'm sorry for what I've done. I didn't see how it would hurt you guys. Yeah. Especially you. I do kind of see like Allison specifically like continuing to try. Oh yeah, totally. A hundred percent. But again, though, the beauty of watching a television show is that we see one character trying, the other character doesn't see them try. So thus for us, the pathos of what's involved. Yeah. And, and out of all the other siblings, you know, Allison is trying. She is trying yeah. and it makes you kind of sad that, I mean, and then you kind of feel bad too because you still don't necessarily know until like what, two episodes till the end if if Peabot Leonard or Harold Jenkins or whatever the fuck his name is. Now about Min, Lin-Manuel Miranda like or what we want to say discount Lin-Manuel Miranda which is sad because I've seen him in other stuff and he's a good actor but I I'm, but I oh, totally I get what you're saying I know he is but like the minute I saw him like oh my god he looks like you know what Miranda. so because I'm sure we have so many Hollywood people listening to the show I just Sorry. want you to know you guys whoever you know you guys need to put you know I think what's the actor's name John Magaro and then Manuel Miranda they need to be brothers in a movie make it happen Absolutely. Um, or actually he could be uh what would be funny is they ever if they ever bring his character back but like well they can't do the father but maybe it's like his uncle or maybe it's his other brother or something that we just never saw mm-hmm. maybe it could be that'd be funny for you and i but i do see no like everyone i know who has watched the show is like oh yeah bobo Min- lin manuel miranda i'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they do they do look similar they do i'm sorry it's oh, fine. It's so funny. What were you going to say before that? Sorry. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, fair enough. But so with season two, yeah, they are kind of all split up to the wind. Mm-hmm. But in a way, though, it's nice, too, because I feel like to get to that moment when they do finally start catching up with each other and the edge is kind of off all of them, uh, except for Diego, because that's how Diego's character is naturally. And five, five is just always and it's, they're kind of. Eh, with everybody else at all times yeah. but like even luther let go number one let go of a lot of shit like because remember five finds him and he's just like i'm good man you know you want to save the world we already tried that we succeeded but i'm here now i have a life like he's kind of moved on 
But at the same time, that's allowed him space to, I don't know, get to a better place, I guess, weirdly enough. Or at least that's how it feels like to me when I watch that. I will disagree with that. Like I, he, moved, he realized that he needed to move on, not necessarily that he enjoyed doing that, but by the well, time five showed up, because Luther was always one was like, guys, we got to get together. We got to save the world. We got to do this. We got to do this. I, I like what you're saying, but I would disagree only in the, the fact that like when he landed in season two in the 60s, he immediately went and worked for Jack Ruby, who turned into a father figure for him, much in the way that like Pogo and... Yes. Okay. Which Stricken also... from my, the record. So this is a totally like off topic, but, and I may have already said this, forgive me if I did, but yeah, watch this entire series. And then my, I came home and my mom, I talked to her about it. And she was like, oh yeah, I watched that first episode and we watched the entire two series in two days together. (laughs) And like, she had a moment of going, oh my God, that's Jack Ruby. And I'm like, who the hell is Jack Ruby? And I had to look it up, which Jack Ruby is the guy that ended up assassinating who assassinated JFK. Not, yeah, Harvey Oswald. Yeah, he assassinated Lee Harvey Oswald, which like in the FBI inquisition he it it was decided like he had nothing to do with it and it was not a conspiracy but also eh? yeah right isn't like the weird thing about that well the whole jfk thing in general is is kind of bizarre and fucked up but yeah yeah, we can can skip all that bullshit but i mean it was like one of those funny things where my mom was like oh so now jack ruby is his dad instead of luther instead of hargreaves (laughs) that is true you know what yeah but yeah you're right i can't really i mean I think that gives him the stability that it comes off. I feel like he kind of starts spiraling when Allison shows up into his old, but I mean, you expect that because. Well, I also, I find it super interesting. Like right before Allison sees him, like he's shown kind of like binge eating, which I found very interesting, especially because before now he has spent, what was it? Four years on the moon. And you know, he's kind of shown like, yeah, he's big cause he has a gorilla body, but also he's been on the moon for four years. So it's kind of up. Like, I feel like there was a, a moment in season one, like when he, you know, discovers that his dad never opened any of his packages essentially like from the moon. Yeah. And there was like, I can't remember when, but it, it, there was like a moment where like on the, in the package, it was like, please send more food. So there was kind of this interesting idea that like he became very food insecure on the moon. And you kind of see, you see him very, you know, like kind of weird and like sunken almost, but like the weird beard at the very beginning when he gets the message about his dad dying. But then like be, beyond like when he gets back home from the moon because that's luther's whole fucking thing when he's a shithead in first season is like i was on the moon (laughs) yes we get it you were on the moon thank you jesus right but like you see him after that and like when he's having kind of a tumultuous episode he is gorging he is eating right yeah well, do you think that is also because in the first season he was still under the delusion, even towards the end, that his dad loved him? Like there had to be a reason. Like even though he finally admitted that his dad was probably a shithead, mm. but like even then there felt like there was still doubt. Like Hargraves was still like you know maybe not as bad, or whatever. Then it's just like no, 
season two yeah season two he's just like i have a dad now kind of i don't know but i'm not gonna lie i did not think about that about the food aspect i remember him picking out because it was i you hadn't really seen him eat much of well, and, the, and then you see season. him in season two when he's at that barbecue place and he's just like oh my like God. he has like four plates in front of him which like who hasn't been there i've been there like hey, no man, fucking luther. no judgment luther but like so there's luther who very obviously like is like you know top boy always wanted to be top boy and can we just go through the siblings for a minute here yeah definitely because like we have luther going to the moon who stayed the longest yep and just kind of went with the flow and you know ended up as an ape kind of <laughs> tough yeah. break wah, wah. but then you have uh, so okay so two was diego diego. Yeah. diego has like your hero complex yeah he wants to be batman he legitimately, I think they even call him Batman at one point, I think, in the, towards the middle of season one. It's like, you can't be Batman. Don't they say that to him? I feel like, yeah. Or maybe it's, it's like a non-copyright <laughs> version of Batman. Something around there. But honestly, like, watching him, and like, this is just kind of me, like, I liked him way better in season two than, like, oh, don't yeah. me, like I still liked him in season one, don't get me wrong. But like, season two, I feel like, Oh, you got into it a lot more. So then you have three who was Allison? Uh, yeah, Allison. She's the rumor. The, the rumor, three. yeah. Yep. And like, you know, it's it that's a whole that that's a whole interesting dynamic because like you could look at it from the show as like there are so many quote unquote problems she could solve. Oh yeah. But she doesn't. And like honestly, and I think they illustrate this really wonderfully in season two when she goes into the diner as a black woman and oh yeah has like the white man pour coffee on himself like i feel like that's illustrated really well as why that can't work all the time which i liked mm-hmm. uh season oh, i'm sorry not season jesus christ number klaus. four is klaus 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 I oh love my god this may be just like <laughs> this may just be a me thing but oh my god okay so Klaus's introduction. <laughs> I'm sorry. Klaus's introduction where he leaves rehab and literally five seconds later is like being <sighs> revitalized in the, in the back of an ambulance and he high fives his EMT. <laughs> like that was one of those awful, like, I don't know. Nick, you may not know about this, but like any girls who have things for like broken awful men like think a loki okay think a sherlock think like a a ben solo okay (laughs) but you i looked at him and went oh fuck you're gonna be my favorite aren't you (laughs) nick yeah spoiler it was totally true (laughs) oh my (laughs) god because so have you ever watched misfits no, or, and it's been a long time. It's the movie, oh, right? No, it's a series. Oh, then no. Channel four in the B in like the in in Britain and like ITV or whatever. I think of his damn name. Who plays Klaus? Oh, sorry. Hold on. Klaus is played by Robert Sheenan. <laughs> Which anyone who's on TikTok, bonsoir. There, I guess they did like I guess they did a a read through of some script, and it was like. There's now a 
an audio on TikTok that's very popular. It was like Ellen Page, who plays Vanya, Aiden Gallagher, who plays Five, and Robert Sheehan, who plays Klaus. And he goes, Bonsoir, like in the background. And it's now, I guess, like a meme, oh like audio, which is great. But no, anyway, Robert yeah. Sheehan was on Mis- Misfits early seasons, and he's Irish, which you would not expect listening to him. But oh my God, he's amazing, and I love him. And I was so excited to see him in this series. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah. I mean, so I just remembered when he, in the first season, I was like, I, I, cause I, yeah, the first episode, I was like, I think I'm going to like him, but I'm going to hate liking him. And then I'm going to love to hate him for doing stupid drug shit because you want to see him get clean or like, and, and we didn't, I, and I was like, also there's something, a reason why he's, he does what he does. And, you know, midway through season one, you realize why that is. Or actually, yeah, when Cha-Cha and Hazel have them, that's when you're just like, this is kind of funny that they're, he's torturing Hazel and Cha-Cha with this. But then, yeah, you but just it's really fucking sad. But it's really sad, though, when you think about it, too, because you're like, gee, because, and they don't say it explicitly right away yet. I think it's the next episode or two when I think Justin, is it Justin Lin who plays Ben? Tells him, it's like, maybe if you would stop fucking doing drugs all the time, you could control your powers more and you could help these people who are coming to you and yada, yada. And you're just like, yeah, that makes sense on why you would fucking have to do all those drugs because, and, and to see what his dad, Mr. Hargreaves does to him in the, in the in second season when he was a child is even worse. And you understand why he doesn't want that. It, it's, yeah. It, the best thing I ever saw it's in so relation sad. to Klaus was, you know, that meme of the car dealer that like slaps the top of the car. <laughs> it's like oh. you can fit so much, quote unquote, into this bad boy. Oh, yeah. And like someone did that with Klaus in the passenger seat. And it was like, you can fit so much trauma into this bad boy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. It's so true. And and then season two, it also kind of gets worse because he goes to Vietnam. That's season one. Oh, that's season one. He goes to Vietnam. Yeah, that's like halfway through season one. He like, oh my he, God. it was after he escapes Cha-Cha and Hazel and like he yep. steals a suitcase and then like he disappears, which, oh, actually, oh, hold on. Okay, so the big woman, let's get back to that. In that scene, there is a, we'll say an NPC who is bigger in that scene, who shows up again, who is like, I guess like a whole, like it's a fan theory anyway, but he like, you know, yeah, goes to Vietnam, comes back, falls in love with Dave, which, Oh God. Yeah. Like him, like Klaus, I think Klaus is my favorite character only because yeah, he is fucked up. He is addicted to drugs, but he also, he deals with all of his bullshit in a beautiful way. Yeah. That I kind of fucking love. Yeah. Well, I think he does damage to himself and not necessarily others, or it doesn't often roll over into other people. One even beyond damage to yourself. Like I just, I don't know what it is. Like he, I feel like he decides to kind of just like, he decides to dealt, no, take two. He decides to self-destruct. Mm-hmm. And yet other bullshit still seems to come into his life. Yeah. 
Because, like, you think about, you know, like, very early in season one, like, he steals his dad's box and, like, throws, like, his journal and, like, you know, that kind of, like, leads into the rest of the season where... That's true. Bobo, (laughs) Miranda, like, (laughs) steals... Like I'm sorry. Can right. we look at can we look at a picture of him because Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he literally looks like Bobo Min Linoa Miranda. Hold on here real quick. He was a great actor, don't get me wrong. He was great. Let me see here. Here we go. Right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look and we have him in front of a picture of the New York Times. <laughs> so he's got that New York charm going on there. But yeah, he had the whole, like, you know, kind of, like, plaid New York. Like, yeah. his hair is not that high in the show. It's, like, down more. <laughs> yeah, he's a lot more, well, he's a lot more, you know, Brooklyn homey kind of mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, even my mom was like, even my mom said, is that Lynn Miranda? And I was like, no, it's not. But don't you wish it was? A, I do wish it was. Well, okay, hold on. Yeah. Okay, so... End of season one. I was miss. I can't think of the right way to say this. Misbelieved, misbelieved that season two would be all of the characters in their children form. I okay, yeah. Because the very very end of that season. So okay. Spoilers for anyone listening to this for whatever reason, but like, yeah, they so like uh, Ellen Page's character blows up the moon, it like creates the apocalypse, and like five is like, yeah, I can time travel, and then like they pick up Ellen Page and they do this like weird roundabout, and all the actors are played by the younger versions of themselves, which led me to believe season two would be from their perspective in some way, yeah. yeah. I feel you. And, and then it didn't happen, and you're like, oh, no, okay. That's and don't get me wrong. I loved how season two started. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Well. But, like, I felt insane for being like, oh, they're just going to use the child actors now, huh? Like, I feel like the way they filmed that was not great. Yeah, it was a little unclear in terms of setting up more beyond that. Like, or, yeah. It'd it'd be one thing if, like, because I feel like what they did was they did a a pan, and they were all adult. They did a second pan. They were all children. If they did a third pan and they were all adult, I don't think I would have been as confused. Or or I think the other thing is, too, is that there should have been a better setup for... For that happening like for example whose perspective possibly is that that they're all children again like it's supposed to make you as an audience feel well, like they're kids again but like i guess after like i guess after watching season two like my assumption is the ending of one was like oh they haven't been together like this since they were kids yeah so they're reflecting on that but yeah like i, I see what you mean it, in that i just if you would have shown it like maybe once, or actually I would say if you showed it like every two episodes before up to that point where like mm-hmm. maybe someone leaned over and it's like they saw them as their younger selves and they mm-hmm. can't get over that. Oh All right. God. Let's talk about season two though. Yes. Nick, season two. How, did, how did you feel about season two? I, oh, I loved it. I thought it was like, cause honestly, the reason I got my mom to watch it was she was like, is it, 
less dour, I think her words were, than season one. And I was like, oh no, it's way funnier. Oh yeah. Well, it's more, it's just as bittersweet, but it feels like there's a little bit more joy to be found in the dourness. Well, in the first season, it's like, it's so dour that any humor they're giving you is just like, oh, this is still fucking depressing. In the first, the season two though, it's like, you know, I think really the only one that has the most dourest of them all is Klaus. Everyone else is, you know, it's not as bad. Like, Klaus goes through some fucking shit, everybody. And it's really funny to watch him go through it. Well, I feel like Klaus goes through a lot of shit season one, but season two. Well, no, he does in season one, too. Season two. Can we talk about season fucking two? Where he, like, the minute he showed up in that broken down car, I was like, immediately, I was like, oh, he got into some shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he created a cult, which... Right, it's <laughs> so funny to me because, which, and it also it works so well for him. It does, which in itself is super funny because technically, he's just is doing it so he can get free stuff and just get by. That's the only reason. Well, and let's talk about oh my god, him quoting song lyrics <laughs> oh. from like modern times. Don't go chasing waterfalls, like. Please stick to the rivers and the yeah. we're used to. And yeah. or like, oh my god, we're back again. <laughs> oh, yes. And then they they had that awesome record drop of Jesus Christ. Was so oh, it was so good. Oh, it was so good. Be- like, mm. honestly, like I lo- I did like season one. I do think that season two like was above season one just because oh, yeah. of I don't know, like the timeline, just the songs yeah. and oh, many other things. Oh God. The eye for the eye moment. Oh, with Luther and Diego yeah. <laughs> where they saw the blood and they called, <laughs> I can't remember her name, but like, Oh shit. It's not Allison. And they called out to, Oh, the daughter, right? That's who they're talking. Yeah. No, because- just like they were like, I got, oh, I can't even remember, like, or I, it was like eye for an eye, but in Swedish. And, like, they were like, they're, we're going to call, I, oh, I'll look it up. Oga for Oga. And, like, they called this poor woman and they were like, we're going to kill you. And then five comes and goes, it's eye for eye, you fucking idiots. And they were like, we're so sorry, ma'am. I'm like, <laughs> like, so. Are you familiar with the himbo discourse of 2020? <laughs> the himbo discourse? No, you're not. Oh, well, maybe I am. I just don't know that's what it was called. The him. Okay, so. Discourse. So himbo is the idea that there is, think a bimbo. Yeah, we'll start it's, there. A, it's a male version of that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like this dumb, polite, adorable child that like but legit like luther and goddamn diego are like ultimate himbos who have like one brain cell between the two of them that they're just like passing back and forth when they have that fucking (laughs) that goddamn call where they're like yeah we're gonna come get you oh yeah like that where they called like 
Olga for Olga got, who do they call? I, don't, I can't remember, but they were like, oh, sorry, ma'am. That whole fucking thing. Bit where they're calling them on the phone and threatening them. and That poor old woman where they were like, yeah, we're going to fucking come. We're going to come get you. And she was like, oh, yeah, sorry, ma'am. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's a complete change in Diego's uh, and Luther's. Yeah. Like Diego and Luther, I did not care about prior to this moment in this series really fair oh, enough like i liked them they were fine yeah. there but like when they were like like when they got to that like himbo moment of like yeah we're gonna come get you and then like five is like no you freaking idiots like it means eye for eye and they were like goodbye ma'am and they go <laughs> i was like oh my god oh you don't have well, and you know, and that's one of the beautiful things that they actually have in fucking common with each other is that they don't really think a lot of things through all the time. Well, and that's which... what I liked. That's what I liked about season two versus season one is like Diego and Luther, like they had one brain cell between the two of them. They were like, oh, uh, uh, okay, we're going to pass between each other. It's fine. It's fine. Because <laughs> they were just so dumb. They were so dumb. Oh my gosh. And then in season two, what was the name of the, the daughter of Fran, Kate Wash's character? Five's former boss. Oh, Layla. Lila. Lila. Maybe. Hold up. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. She was great. I loved her at first. Like, yeah. Well, you're waiting for. Well, like, I guess remember when Five was chasing her and I was like. She has to have a power or something. We yeah, just so when know. she like kept disappearing and reappearing, I was like, yeah, she's got to. Right. And I really, and I also thought too, once I, once they didn't really dwell on it at all, if I was just like, how was she able to do that? And that was it. And they let it go. I was just like, I feel like she's one of them mm-hmm. maybe, or one of the 43. And yeah. Can we talk about the amazing song usage during that whole like moment? Was it was bad guy? It was a, it was a cover of bad guy from yeah. Billie Eilish. Yeah, hold on here. Let me see if I can find it. Oh yeah, the interrupters. Mm. And what's interesting about this too is that the soundtrack overall, because I don't want to put too much on there for copyright purposes. The but yeah, like even the cover songs of things they got on there, fantastic. Yeah, like they yeah, just, they do like a lot of good covers in this song like oh my god the the milkman can we talk about them oh the the swedish guys yeah yeah they were i like i weirdly felt bad for them toward the end well they're just caught up in it it, it's like it's a very different thing with than hazel and cha-cha which is they don't talk a lot and so they convey a lot of emotion without saying a lot i guess i don't know like Hazel and Chacha, they were like, what the fuck ever? We're going to go wherever we want. But like, the Swedish, or we'll say the Ikea Mafia, are, like, in a house with a woman they killed. But they're also like, we're going to take care of the cats while we're here. Which is such a weird little thing. So it, it shows that they're not completely heartbroken. They're just doing what they need to do to take over the house and have a place to stay because it's nearby with where they need to go and set up shop. So yeah. Jesus. And then they're, and they're actually also family members. They're all brothers. And when that one steps on the mine, you just, you do kind of feel bad for him, but you're also just like, 
get all of them. Shit, there's two left. Because these guys could probably actually kill our heroes, and you don't want that. So how did you feel about, I guess we'll say, the ending? Let's go back. Like, So, like, yeah, Vanya's whole thing is, like, she forgets who she is. Goes and gets into a lesbian relationship with her housemate, which is wonderful. But, like, somehow gives her power to, we'll say, somebody on the spectrum, like an autistic boy. Yeah. But then, like, at the end of that season, like, the handler, or Kate Walsh, who is a goddamn queen in this show, we haven't even talked about her yet. Kate Walsh is so nice. She's so good. She's nice? Nice, and I don't mean nice. I mean, like, she... (laughs) I knew what you meant. Her face is bait this entire show. Like, she shows up and looks so good. And is so great. And, like, she's a terrible person. But, like, anytime she shows up, you're like, oh, great. Kate Walsh is here. Yeah, she's really good. And the thing is that you kind of believe her for a second that Carmichael is running things to shit. You know? And you kind of feel bad that things, the order of things. But then you realize, oh, no, things are not going well with her in charge because she's running it like a dictatorship, you know, but again, I, part of me also questions too, is she running it like that because she got fucked over at the end of the first movie or the first season? You know what I mean? She failed. It's kind of tricky to tell like if that's why or not. I don't know. Uh, Apparently like Carmichael makes a bigger appearance in the comic book series. So I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I would have loved to see more of Carmichael because it's such an interesting and strange thing like, I would have loved to have seen more of him, but... Oh, my God. But can we talk about, though, that scene from season two? <laughs> where he, where five kills all where of them? five just goes in. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, and the interesting thing is, too, is that I feel like five would have done a decent job at it, but he goes in with so much rage because he can't get his candy bar or chip bag of chips out from the vending machine i feel like it just adds to his anger and so yeah maybe (laughs) i I mean because i kind of feel like well look five's a good killer he can do what he needs to do but like you look like he's super pissed off when he's going through and killing all those people and you're just like yeah he's not having a good day he really just he wanted that candy bar (laughs) i don't know it's such a (laughs) i do love somebody was like they talked about how, like, two, like, women walked in and they were like, oh, not our problem. And I was like, no, they're not, like, part of, like, the, I don't know, what do they call it? The conglomerate? Like, the... Shit, conglomerate. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what you're yeah, talking yeah. about. But, like, they were obviously, like, members of the hotel that, like, walked in and they were like, oh no thank you but who were like oh yeah they were obviously part of the like bigger thing i'm like no they weren't they just like walked in like i would have and gone oh nope i'm gonna walk out because i'd have to clean this up and this is this is horrific let the cops come first yeah don't need that shit oh my god no no but beyond that the end of season two i i I kind of felt they held on. I guess that was my only complaint. They they held too long on to five using the power that 
his dad t- told him about. I felt like that was very so obviously his a dad smoking. or Hazel. I thought it was his dad that told him about because it's when he he ran into his dad into the uh, the, the t- tiki room or whatever, and they were talking, and he was just like. Well, oh, you know, yeah. that's why don't you do time travel like this and uh, just a few seconds ahead or a few seconds backwards instead mm. of whatever. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. But that was, I felt like that was like episode four and we had like five episodes left or something to go. And so by the time it happened, I was like, this is so clearly obviously a smoking gun. And there was like four other, five other times I felt like he could have used it before that last moment. And it was still so good and so executed well that uh how because they were all executed i ended up enjoying it and not caring anyway but that was my only complaint with the end i i enjoyed everything else fran Walsh's plan to attack them at the family ranch and how the kid got the power and all that i i really enjoyed it but what did you enjoy or i like the idea that harlan or the child's was that the child's name I think like, it was the child's name. Was yeah. Har- Harlan, Harlan like had like a fucking like sparrow the entire time, which I think will lead into the Sparrow Academy. If it gets oh, renewed, I goddamn yeah. hope it will. I hope it will. I, hope I it think will. it did, but Netflix, as the time we're recording this, Glow well, had one final season and they canceled it. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm not gonna hold on to it, but we'll try. But yeah, I like Harlan going into a glow i'm like all right let's go we'll try this we'll try this we'll try this but i just i don't know i don't believe in it i'm not i don't like it i just i don't know i'm kind of sad that i want to watch more i want to watch more of the fucking umbrella academy like i want to like read the comic yeah but i don't know just right now i'm just kind of like all right i don't know yeah, I, I I I love the, no. You're fine. I I love the show, and I want to see it continue. I am. Well, I'm also bummed too. I think it's more as I'm bummed because I don't want them to fight Ben, and Ben will. Ben sounds like he's a real fucking great a asshole in this. Well, in that this was my thing. Was like at the end when like Ben evaporated. We'll say like I'm like, oh. I loved Ben, but now he, like, I feel like next season he's going to be, like, primed to be an asshole. Oh, yeah, totally. Which I'm sure the actor is, like, just going, like, I'm kind of sad, but I'm loving this, but... Oh, yeah. I'm sure the actor is fucking living for it. <laughs> well, and, and that's interesting, too, is that I feel like the hard... We didn't talk about Hargraves that much at all, either. Um Oh, Hargraves the alien who or came Har- here to do whatever he wanted to do. Like, yeah, Hargraves. And by the way, I just realized I looked it up. It's Hargreaves. I am so sorry. It's oh. Hargreaves. That's my fault. I said it wrong. But come at me. Come at me, bro. Internet. Come at me, internet. Like, but no, Hargreaves is. <sighs> There's something wrong. Well, and it's and you do feel conflicted because. When he does finally see Klaus in the, was it the deathscape or whatever you want to call it, the dreamscape before you die or whatever, like he does seem to care. There's a hint that he cares and that was just his way of fucking, he's like, I had a job to do and I needed to do it, so I did it. Mm-hmm. And so I had to be cruel to you kids because you guys had to do what you needed to do to save the world and I knew it was coming. 
And then there's that weird, I think it's in the first episode of season two, uh, or maybe it's the second episode. No, it's, I think it's the first episode of season two where you see him coming. It looks like he's on an alien planet, but he's wearing his human mask and so is his wife. But then he leaves in a spaceship and now he's on like on a boat in the 1900s England mm-hmm. or no, is it, it or it's wherever he lands at New York, whatever. Yeah. It's off the boat and buys the Umbrella Academy. And you're like, the, the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. And by the time you do catch up to him, he's like, I'm badass James Bond over here running the Umbrella Academy. And mm-hmm. oh, and I have a nice little set of things to say to number five. But once I realize he's not an asshole here to kill me. Also, I hate kids. I would never do that. And then yep. uh, it's, I don't know, it's bizarre. And I don't know what his, where they're moving him at in terms of the show. So it I makes- mean, nowhere aside from being an abusive asshole. I mean. Well, maybe. I, I mean, I don't know. See, that's the thing is they put some seeds in there that make you, he's, yeah, he probably will be your 100% right. I just wonder if they might try to redeem him in some small way. (laughs) But that's me. That's having a dad who is an absent father, but that's just me. No, that's, it's okay. I mean, not, you know what I mean? It's not okay that you have, Uh, never mind. I know know what you, so, I mean, we kind of covered everything else. All right. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for doing this and thank you all for listening. You have a good day. I don't know how to fucking end these shows still. It's so weird. The Good, the Bad, and the Geeky is presented by D4K Studios. Executive producer is Nick Argenbright. Co-producers are Ashley Carlson and Catherine Ranella. The Good, the Bad, and the Geeky is also made possible by our Kickstarter backers. To see our backers, check out our show notes over at gbgpodcast.com. Our theme and end credit tracks for The Good, the Bad, and the Geeky are by chiptune artist Hide Your Tigers. You can check out their music by going to hideyourtigers.bandcamp.com. We also feature the track from Futurama, The Devil's Hands Are Idle Playthings, an arrangement by our own Nathan Haley. If you enjoy our program, be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and to leave a review or subscribe to wherever podcasts are streamed. Get out of here without cheese! You're a creep! Go away! We're having a good time until you start up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something! Because I'll tell you something! This is a happy place!